themes together. James, I told you, is one of my favorite books in the entire Bible. And I'm really encouraged and challenged by this book. And that's kind of the point of James, is to be challenged and encouraged each week. So we have a theme that we titled this through the series of James that we're calling Growing Up for God. Growing Up for God because it's all about maturity. It's all about spiritual maturity. And today's lesson is going to be called The Power of Humility. The Power of Humility. And we're going to look at a really short passage today. James 1, 19-21 if you have your Bibles. Hopefully you have the notes and you can follow along with us there. I have a question, though, before we get into that. Did you ever respond too quickly with pride and anger to someone instead of love and humility? We all have, right? We've all responded too quickly with pride and arrogance and anger versus love and humility. And that's really what today's lesson is about. Before we get started today, do you guys mind if I do something that I don't typically do? Typically on Sunday... I like to catch up on online and do things like that. And I don't get to do that throughout the week because I'm so busy. And can I do that right now? Can I just check my Facebook feed right now with you guys and just respond to a few comments? You guys are looking at me like I'm crazy. This is part of the show, okay? And uh, just, just follow me here. I'm just going to respond to my Facebook feed right now and get that out of the way so I don't have to think about it later. Is that okay with everybody? Can I do that right now? Thank you, everybody. Thanks for the permission. Let's just do this together. I'll even read you a few comments here. Let's see here. Scroll through my Facebook feed. Oh, this person says, I think all people who vote Republican are brainless Neanderthals. It's funny to me that the brainless people are always the one who call others brainless. You're now dead to me. There you go. That should satisfy them. Let's keep scrolling here. This person said, my dog just died last night. I'm really sad. Dogs aren't people. Get a grip, pal. There you go. Uh, this person says, if you like the show Columbo, drink coffee, use a Blackberry, and are a pastor, you might be a redneck. Ouch. Okay, now I hate all people named Chuck. I hope you step on a Lego today. There you go. This person says, anyone have $100 to spare? We have fallen on hard times, and I desperately need groceries for my family. Hmm. Maybe if you were better at managing your money, you might not be in this situation. Here's $100 worth of advice. Try working harder and saving better. There you go. Let's keep scrolling here. This one says, families with lots of kids are nothing but leeches on the government. see here. If I ever see you on the road, you better watch your back. I'm about to permanently change your address to the nearest ditch. Blessings. This person says, hey, everyone, I just got hired for a new job. That's exciting. Great. Where at? Incompetence are us? I bet your whole family works there now. There we go. And one more. This person says, would you please pray for me? I am struggling with anxiety lately. Hmm. Anxiety is like your 10th worst problem. I'll pray you wake up to the others. Okay, there we go. Sorry, I just wanted to get that out of the way. Hope that's okay. Wanted to get that out of the way so I don't have to think about it later. The question is, did you ever respond too quickly with pride and anger instead of love and humility? That one stepped on her toes a little bit, right? Myself included. But... Today we're going to look at the power of humility. 
the power of humility. And I told you we're going to look at James 1, 19 to 21. If you have your Bibles, let's read that together. This passage that we're about to read is sandwiched between two classic passages. The first one that we looked at is count it all joy when you meet trials of various kinds. That's very famous and familiar to most of us. And the next one that is coming, Pastor Mel will speak on, is be doers of the word and not hearers only. Another very classic passage. And right in the middle is our passage today. That really doesn't get looked at a lot, and it should, and that's kind of the point of today, is we're going to give it its due diligence. So let's look at James 1, 19 to 21. Follow along as I read. James says, Know this, my beloved brothers. Let every person be quick to hear, slow to speak, slow to anger. For the anger of man does not produce the righteousness of God. Therefore, put away all filthiness and rampant wickedness, and receive with meekness the implanted word, which is able to save your souls. That's our text for today. We just came out of the discussion these past few weeks on trials and temptations, a very tricky one to look at, but very good and very necessary for us. And we talked about how to endure trials and temptations properly. And now it seems like James is kind of turning his hearers to a completely different subject altogether, doesn't it? But we have to remember with each book of the Bible, it's like a chain all connected to each other, okay? All holding hands. And although James is going to tell us something that seems different in subject matter, we have to remember that it still pertains to trials and temptations. We do ourselves a disservice by isolating passages of Scripture and forgetting that there's one main message through every book. There's one main message through every passage in the word of God. And this is the main message that you find throughout scripture is that God has loved us through Jesus and that we should love God through Jesus. That's the one main message of scripture. God has loved us through his son and we should now love God through his son. And James is going to be telling us something today that pertains to that theme. This today is out is about how to love God by following Jesus Christ better. We're now in the nitty-gritty of the Christian life, okay? That's what James is really about. We're in the nitty-gritty of how to live and act like Jesus Christ. See, trials, as we mentioned, they have a tendency to bring us low in life, don't they? Not high. Trials bring us low. And it's interesting now that the subject James is going to give us today deals with lowliness, not loftiness. How to ha act with humility, that's really what he's talking about today. And again, James is speaking to us about how to act and live like Jesus Christ while we're in low positions on the earth. How to act like Jesus and not act like the world. That's the goal today. Because the world acts one way and Christians need to act a completely different way. He begins by calling his hearers beloved brothers. And that's a very affectionate term he's using. He wants them to know that what he's about to tell them today is coming from brotherly love. That might sound harsh. But it's coming from brotherly love. And the same goes for us today, okay? Wyoming Valley Church, your pastors truly want the best for you. I hope you know that. We pray for you. We really put thought and care into our sermons and things like that and how we can help you. So my exhortation today, and more importantly, the Lord's exhortation today, comes from love. It comes from love. This is so we can all become more like our Lord Jesus Christ and make progress significant progress in the Christian journey. What we're about to study today is very important, and many of us, most of us, greatly struggle with this issue.
but we're not here to beat anybody down today, okay? It's quite the contrary. Today is about picking us out of potential sinful ditches, get us back on our feet so we can continue following Jesus the way he desires. That's what today is about. If we've fallen off, if we've fallen into a sinful ditch, this is about pulling us back out and getting us back on our feet. James begins by telling us to be quick to hear, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. Remember, James just told us how to handle trials and temptations properly, and now he wants us to be quick to hear. That's number one we're going to look at today, quick to hear. I want you to consider that. Trials are very difficult to understand, are they not? And navigate through. But it's almost like James wants to help us still in this area by telling us that we need wisdom we don't yet have. We need godly wisdom. And that wisdom, guys, only comes from humble hearing. The wisdom of God only comes to our souls and our hearts through humble hearing. If we won't listen to God and others that can help us, especially when we're being tested, we're not going to succeed in the Christian life. I don't know if you've ever told someone to hurry up or been told to hurry up in your life. That's kind of an anxious thing to hear when someone says that, right? Come on, hurry up. It makes you a little anxious to hear that, right? Sometimes my wife hears me say that on the road to other drivers. Come on, pal, step on it. We've got limited time on this planet. Move it. I'm not that harsh, but sometimes it comes out that way. Hurry up, buddy. Step on the gas. Well, James is pretty much telling us to hurry up today. But not in walking or driving or getting anything done. He's telling us to hurry up in listening. Probably no one's ever told you that before. Typically, when we tell people to hurry up, it's towards some sort of action. But James is telling us to be quick to hear. Or maybe the better way to think about it is to be prepared to hear. Get your mind ready to listen and to hear. I wonder how many of us are those type of people where someone would describe us as being quick to hear and quick to listen. Honestly, if I asked how many people I know who would be quick to speak versus quick to hear... I'd probably have to admit that I know a lot more people that are quick to speak and slow to hear, myself included. Because typically we all want to be heard, don't we? We want to be heard, and not many of us want to listen to others. We want our opinion validated and heard and respected. And this is where we need to pause today and talk about humility. Because humility is the secret to gaining all the treasures in the Christian life. Humility. A prideful heart, on the other hand, wants to spout off knowledge, right? And there's a time and season to do that. Like, I believe right now God has given me the opportune time to speak and tell truth. But a humble heart is one that wants to learn and soak up the truth and is willing to be taught. To listen to those who know better than they do. Does that describe you? And James is telling us today that we should all be those types of people, pastors included. Quick to listen and quick to hear. And really it means be humble enough and ready enough to listen. See, the people I want to be around the most and the people I want to be most like are the good listeners, are the humble. Isn't that interesting? The people that I really look up to in this life are humble people. Now the people we glory, glorify, are the people that are proud and lofty and exalted, right? But the people that I truly want to be around and I want to be like I strive to be like they're all humble people. Why? Why is that? 
Why should we be more skilled in hearing than we are in speaking? Or maybe you've heard the old adage, right? We have two ears and one mouth, meaning we should listen twice as much as we speak. That's what the old adage says. But why? Well, quite honestly, quite simply, because God built it that way. He built it that way. The humble learn and gain while the proud lose and fail. And it's kind of topsy-turvy in this world, right? We kind of look at the opposite, go, no, 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 no. The proud and the rich are the ones that succeed, and the humble are the losers, right? God's word says the opposite. And we've got to listen to God and say, God, you're right. The humble ones will win, and the proud will lose. And the reason for this, guys, is really simple. God designed everything to give him glory. And we were learning that this past Wednesday in our doctrinal class, were we not? That God designed everything to glorify his own name. And I really encourage you to come to those doctrinal classes if you haven't yet. But when we're proud, we've lost sight of everything. When we're proud, we forget who God is. We forget that he is the end all, be all. When we're proud, we forget who we are. That we're not the end all, be all. When we're proud, we forget what we deserve as natural sinners. When we're proud, we forget what God deserves as the one true, holy, righteous being. When we're proud, we seek to rob God's glory for ourselves, i.e. Satan or Lucifer in heaven. Pride led to sin, which led to Satan, Lucifer, losing his position in heaven. Because he forgot who God is. He forgot who he was. He forgot what God deserves. And that's what pride does. But we need to remember this today, okay? We need to remember this. God does not need any of us. He is totally, entirely sufficient on his own. He doesn't need any human being to accomplish his work. Now, if we put a period there and that's how we closed it, that'd be kind of discouraging. <laughs> oh, great, God doesn't need me. But here's the cool thing about God is he delights in using us. He delights in using the weak and the humble because guess what they will do? The weak and the humble will direct glory back to the Lord. The weak know that when they succeed, someone helped them do that. But the strong and the rich, people like that, on the other hand, use phrases like, I pulled myself up by my own bootstraps. They pat themselves on the back. The rich and the powerful and the mighty and the strong, they love getting glory. And the weak and the poor love giving glory. And that's a big difference to God. If we're going to truly learn this lesson today, we need to remove all pride from our hearts. And we need to realize we're in need of someone wiser to teach us the proper way to live because I don't know how to live properly. And let's look back just a couple verses before this and remember what James taught us in verses 16 to 18. Listen to this. He says, Do not be deceived, my beloved brothers. Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of lights, with whom there is no variation or shadow due to change. Of his own will he brought us forth by the word of truth that we should be a kind of first fruits of his creatures. What do you see there? James tells us not to be deceived. Everything good that you have is a gift from God. Everything good that you have is a present from God. We did not earn it. We were sinners. 
And it wasn't a reward for good behavior. Like sometimes I give my children rewards, little packages of baseball cards and candy for cleaning up their room. Good job. Here's your baseball cards. That's not what this is with God, okay? God gave everything to us that was good as a gift of his grace, which means we did not earn it. He just wanted us to have it because he would get the glory for that gift. And that means there is no pulled myself up by my own bootstraps in Christianity. No one can say that. We were all, according to scripture, dead in our sins. That's what Ephesians 2, 1 to 10 says. We were saved by our Lord, and we were given everything good by our God. That's what scripture teaches us. What's that mean? Humility should be obvious. It should be obvious. It's not hidden. Okay? It's not a hidden message. Every single one of us should be really good at humility because we are saved sinners. That means humility is obvious. Pride makes absolutely no sense in the Christian life. In the life of a redeemed sinner, pride doesn't make any sense at all. Because guess where we were destined for? Hell. Until God intervened, until God stepped in with his grace and the blood of Jesus Christ and forgave us and healed us and restored us, every one of us were destined for hell. Where is the pride? Where are we to pat ourselves on the back for anything like that? If we are prideful and we can't listen, we are far off from the Christian path. Far off. We're on a beaten path that's leading us nowhere good. If we struggle to hear, struggle to listen, we're actually on a dangerous path because that's not a path of Jesus Christ. Being quick to speak and slow to hear is evidence of pride in our hearts. And I want you to imagine what we must look like to God when we feel like we know everything and we can't be taught by him or others. We always need to teach others the best way to live and I want you to imagine what we must look like to God when, when, we, when he knows our true nature. He knows what we really are. Or let's use an example here. Imagine how silly it would look for a drowning person in the ocean to be dragged to shore, given CPR to revive them. Okay, They stand up, they cough up water, and all of a sudden they begin to boast in their swimming skills. Or they start telling the lifeguard there was a better way to do that. Imagine how silly that would look. If a drowning person who was given CPR and dragged ashore started to boast in their swimming skills. Imagine what we must look like to God when we struggle to hear and struggle to listen. But we love to boast in what we know and we love to tell everyone else what they need to hear. It's the ones who succeed in life and more importantly the Christian life are those who are ready to be taught. To be good listeners and learners. And it says in Proverbs 16, 18, Pride comes before the fall. Pride comes before the fall. Lucifer taught us that. And it won't be long before the prideful take an embarrassing stumble in front of everybody. And James doesn't want that to happen to us, guys. He's seeking for us to avoid that by being quick to hear. And our next thing we're going to look at right now is slow to speak. Slow to speak. They go hand in hand. If you're quick to hear, you're also slow to speak. I tell my children all the time to slow down. Maybe you guys do as parents, right? Slow down. And the reason I tell them to slow down all the time is because they run around recklessly a lot. And I see them bump into things and trip on things that if they just slowed down a little bit, it wouldn't be that bad. And James' exhortation to us right now is going to be in a very similar mindset. He's going to tell us to slow down in something because 
He's seen too many Christians run around recklessly into danger. And it's causing great harm to the church. He's going to tell us to slow down. And the first thing we need to slow down in is when and how often we speak. When and how often we speak. Once again, if we're always speaking, how can we properly hear? How can we? If we're always speaking. In speech class in college, do you guys have speech class yet? Speech class? Yeah? How'd that go? It's good, right? Passed. In speech class, my uh, speech teacher had an interesting exercise the one day. He said, I want you to buddy up. I want you to get a partner. And he said, I want you to go all around the room, stand up right across from your partner, and I want you to do something. He goes, I want you to both think of a story, and then when I start the clock, I want you to both tell each other the story the exact same time with great details. And I want you to just do that until I tell you to stop. And so I thought, that's not exercise, but okay. And so I buddied up, I got a partner, and we stood right next to each other, right across from each other, and he said, go. And we both started telling a story at the exact same time. And we went for like 30 or 40 seconds or something like that. And then he said, okay, stop. And then he said, now, I want to go around the room, and I want to ask you this one question. What was the story about that the other person told? And it was really challenging. Really hard to listen to anything they were saying, because guess what? I was telling the story. I was trying to get my story right. I, I thought that was the point of the exercise, to be able to speak over things. But he was actually teaching us how important it is to listen. See, we can forget about learning, growing, and maturing if we believe we're the fountain of wisdom. It's not going to happen. And James is stating a pretty general rule here to slow down before you speak and consider a few things. Slow down and consider maybe these three things. Number one, does it need to be said? Does it really need to be said before you say it? Number two, is it truth? Not according to your perspective. Is it truth according to God's word? That's a pretty important thing to think about before we speak, right? Is it truth? And third of all, will this help anyone? Will this love anybody? Will this build anyone up? What if we did? What if we slowed down our process of speaking and asked those questions before we did it? Does it need to be said? Does it come from God? And will it build anyone up? Do you think we'd say less? I know I would. I would say a lot less. There's far too many of us, myself included, who are making our lives and those lives around us much worse because we always feel the need to spout off. And this sort of behavior can actually lead to making a train wreck of our lives because we simply can't bridle our tongues. And do you know that's something James is going to bring up two or three more times in this book? Is how we speak and what we say. But once again, we're dealing with pride here. The proud always have to be heard to always feel the need to let others know what we think is a fundamental belief that we're wiser than others. I'm going to say that again. To always feel the need to let others know what we think is a fundamental belief that we are wiser than other people. It's wrong, and it's getting in the way of us maturing because we're like a hose that is never turned off. Picture that. Picture a hose that is never turned off. You know what, in fact, I wanted to bring in an illustration to show you that I was going to bring in a hose. But how would I do that, right? That'd be really complicated and really wet. So I have a different illustration. Is my son here? Haddon, come on up, buddy. I don't know if this is going to make the mark the hose would, but we're going to try, okay? This is a hand pump. 
Okay, we practice this at home. I hope it goes well. Sometimes they don't. But uh, how do you know what we're going to do? Okay, now on this little piece of napkin, I have a verse. Okay, it says, be quick to hear, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. Okay, you're going to have to humor me here because this is the best I can think of. Had, I'm going to pretend that this little hole here is my ear. Okay, and I want you to shove that right in that little ear hole, okay? Shove that in there because I need to hear that. That's really important for me to hear. Shove that in. Maybe it's too big. We don't need it that big. So it's not going to work. Then. Let's make it halfsy, okay? At least half the verse. <laughs> okay. Shove it in now, Ed. I need to hear this verse. So shove it right in. Whoops! Guess what I want to say. Okay, do it again. Hey, guess what you guys need to hear? Oh, let's do it again. I didn't get in. Come on, do it again. Want to know what I think? Oh, one more time, Dad. Come on, let's get it in. Hey, guess what I know? See? Do you see the opposite? This is really easy. I could do this all day. Had, had we did yesterday. Dad was chasing this thing all over the room. Good job. Okay, you get the point, right? It's a really simple illustration, really kind of dumb illustration, but the point is made. And that point is really this. If we're always speaking, we can't listen. If we always feel the need to let others know what we believe and what we think, nothing's going to get in. And that nothing is going to be God's word, unfortunately. And if this is true, and it's truer than we want to admit, how is God's wisdom going to get into our minds? And if God's wisdom does not get into our minds, guys, we're in trouble. We're in big trouble because the battles of the Christian life are too big for us. They're too big for us to fight on our own without God's wisdom. I and you need the wisdom of God. I can't do it without it. And that's number two is we need to be slow to speak. Let's go to number three quickly. Slow to anger. That's what James says, be slow to anger. James takes it a step further and he tells us to be slow to anger because the anger of man does not produce the righteousness of God. Think about that verse. The anger of man does not produce the righteousness of God. And I just want to notice a few things here about anger and being slow to anger. We need to slow the process down, just like we do about speaking, in the way that we get angry. In fact, I would say slow it way down. Because a lot of us have anger in a holster, right? At least if you're like me, sometimes I have anger in a holster. I'm always angry. Little things make me angry. Little frustrations make me angry. People on the road make me angry. I'm angry at traffic. I'm angry at all kinds of things. It's like anger's in a holster. And I'm ready to fire at all times. This sort of character trait means we are far off from acting like Jesus because Jesus was meek. And you know what that word means? It means power under control. Power under control. It says Jesus was meek, which means I could but I will not quickly. I have the power to, but I will wait and be patient and wait for the proper season before I act. That's what meekness is. The opportunity to get angry, but the patience to see if it's necessary. See, the anger of man that he says does not produce the righteousness of God, it's different than godly righteous anger because God does get angry. Do you know that? He does get angry. But his anger is always towards the right things. And it's always perfectly just. It's always fair according to his divine wisdom. Unlike my anger, I'm just like a machine gun, right? I'm just hitting everybody in sight. 
And the scriptures teach us that God is, here's a great thing to know about our God, he's slow to anger. Slow to anger. Are we not thankful for that about our God? What if God was opposite? What if God was quick to get angry? Would any of us be here right now? I'm going to show you another illustration, okay? Full of illustrations today. I have a match, pretty simple looking match here, okay? I want you to picture this is us. In fact, we could probably chop this into three, and that would be even a better illustration, but I don't want to burn my finger. So I'm going to do something today. I hope it'll burn the place down, but uh, humor me. Here's basically the illustration, okay? Something happens that has the potential to make us angry, okay? Whatever that is, something at a job, something at home. And right here where my finger is, is me getting angry and upset and yelling, okay? Now, I only have a few seconds. I told you it should be maybe half of this. There might be air conditioning in here, so it might blow out. But A little few moments for me to think and consider about should something be said, should something happen, before what has to happen is I get angry. I get angry, and i got to let someone know that I'm angry. And i got, got to let someone know that they were wrong because I'm impatient, and I'm quick to get angry. And that's a problem, isn't it? Because if I'm quick to get angry, and maybe my anger isn't fair and just, Maybe it's just selfish anger. But you know what it says about God? And I wish I could find one longer than this. <laughs> God is slow to anger. Does God, does, does God get angry? He does get angry, okay? Things happen all the time that could make God angry. But it's the same illustration. Something happens that could make God angry. And over here is when God actually gets angry. Do you notice that? What happens? A lot of time to consider. And this is maybe going to blow out. This might not even work. Yeah, okay. I was going to let it go for another 15, 20, 30 seconds and just let you guys watch the anger of God go slowly to my finger. Let's try it one more time, see if it works. I have several up here. We could burn the whole place down. Don't you love the smell of this, by the way? <laughs> there are worse smells. See how slow? Okay, there we go. Let's try this one more time. I want you to picture this, okay? I want you to picture God waiting to get angry. Something, made, something happened that clearly could make him angry, something that was sin, something that was wrong. But it says our God is slow to anger. So what does he have the time to do? He has time to consider and to think. He has time to let his people confess that sin, to own up to that sin, to repent of that sin, to turn away from that sin, to fix the problem that they started before God gets angry. He's slow to anger. Notice this. Did you see how long it took me to get angry? And again, it should have been like a third of that. I should have burned my finger, but this is the illustration of God's anger. Slow. That's what the scripture says. He's slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love. Does God get angry? Yes. Will he get angry one day at sin? Is there a hell? Yes, there is. But God right now is waiting. He's patient. He's long-suffering. Why? Because he doesn't want anyone to perish. He doesn't want to punish anybody. What does he want to have happen? He wants us to... I'm going to blow it out now. He wants us to be healed. i to set the alarms off here. He wants us to be healed. And that process of being slow to anger gives a lot of opportunity for us to confess our sins, turn away from our sins, own up to those sins, fix the problem that we started so that God doesn't have to get angry. But versus us, there's a very short amount of time between something happens and I get angry. And we're not just learning here, oh, I'm, I'm quick to get angry and God is slow to get angry. James says, 
you be slow to get angry too. Be like your God. That's what he tells us. That's precisely the model James is seeking for us to have is be slow to get angry. Are you slow to anger? Do you have a long wick? We're told that the anger of man cannot produce the righteousness of God. And the only way to know is if our anger is righteous, godly anger versus fleshly, selfish anger is to slow the process down of getting angry. And consider, why are we angry? Is it Christ-like anger? Is it selfish anger? No doubt, a short-fused anger is almost 100% of the time the wrong and sinful anger, is it not? When we don't have the time to consider, when we don't consider why we're angry and should it Should that anger be used, it's almost 100% of the time the wrong, selfish, prideful anger. The anger of man, he says, does not produce the righteousness of God. Think about that. The anger of man, my fleshly, selfish anger, cannot produce the righteousness of God. This means that an angry, wrathful approach to trying to teach someone what they need to know is incapable of producing what I believe they need to know. He says, anger and wrath will not accomplish the righteousness of God. Long Facebook rants will not produce the righteousness of God. Inflamed speech, riots, those kinds of things do not produce the righteousness of God. Typically, what do they do? They turn people off. But a calm, humble approach is the evidence of power and a sign that it comes from God. It's otherworldly. Have you ever known someone who was slow to get angry, who was calm and peaceable and able to reason? That person's otherworldly. I don't see a lot of those people. When I do see them, man, they stand out. Because typically I see people who are ready with their inflamed speech, their impassioned pleas, full of anger, full of wrath, ready to tell people what, they're, what they need to know, how wrong they are. Guys, in sinful, proud anger turns almost everybody off. It cannot produce the righteousness of God. Quickly, number four, he says, put away all filthiness and rampant wickedness. Listen to that. He says, therefore, put away all filthiness and rampant wickedness and receive with meekness the implanted word which is able to save your souls. When we know we're in the wrong, whether it's being slow to hear or quick to speak or quick to get angry, we need to call it sin. We need to call it what it is, and therefore we need to put it away. If it's wrong and if it's sin, it has no place in the Christian journey. James actually calls it filthiness and rampant wickedness. Wow. He has no soft language for us when we're in sinful behavior. Why? Because sinful behavior hurts, excuse me, sinful behavior hurts the Lord. It hurts others and it hurts ourselves. And if we don't put these sinful behaviors away, we cannot properly receive God's word into our souls. And I told you, if we don't have that wisdom from God, we're in a bad, bad place. Because I cannot conquer the battles of this life without God's wisdom. And if we follow the train of pride long enough without meekness, without being able to receive the word of God, we're not going to find salvation on this side or the next because we cannot be quick to hear Excuse me, we will not be quick to hear, we will not be slow to speak, and we will not become slow to become angry. And all of those things are obstacles to receiving the word of God, which he says can save 
your soul. All of those things will put away God's truth from your mind. What's the point of this today? What's the point? Humility. Humility. Humility is powerful, guys, because it brings us to Jesus. Humility is powerful because it brings us to the feet of Jesus, where all power lies. Pride will keep us from learning, and humility will bring us to Jesus, where all power and all wisdom can be found. Meekness, humility, is powerful, not pride. Everyone shows pride. Meekness is special. Humility is powerful. And Jesus is the true power here, okay? And humility gets us to him. I don't come to Jesus without humility. I don't come to Jesus with pride. I only come to Jesus with meekness and humility. And when I come to Jesus, he gives me everything I need. Power and wisdom from above. This isn't a small deal. This is a large deal. Put away all filthiness and rampant wickedness and receive with meekness the implanted word which which is able to save your souls. If we don't listen to this today, it can have deadly results. Deadly results. This isn't a small deal. He wouldn't say filthiness and rampant wickedness if it was a small deal, just a minor tweak. He's saying this is huge. Huge. Before we close, here's our application. Number one, being proud and quick to anger, according to God's word, is filthiness and rampant wickedness. And we can't shrug that off. We can't shrug off filthiness. I can't shrug off rampant wickedness and act like that's not a big deal. It's deadly. And God hates this kind of pride. He hates it. And he's not going to bless it. And number two, being meek and humble enough to receive the word of God has opportunity to save our souls. We need to work on listening, don't we? before we get to the place where we can ever hear properly. See, God's word is all we need. God's word has everything we need to stay on the path of Jesus, to do the right things, to stay on the right course, to finish our course. And we can't consider that we've arrived already. We can't consider that we're already mature enough to just put it on autopilot or cruise control. You know why? Because the Apostle Paul never did. I want to read a passage from Philippians 3, and I want you to listen to Paul's words. Okay, now Paul was probably, besides the Lord Jesus Christ, the most mature spiritual man that ever lived. And at this point in his life, he is at the position to teach everybody. He is ready to just spout wisdom to everybody, and everybody go, Paul, teach us, give us what you know. But listen to what he says in Philippians 3, verses 12 to 16. He says, not that I have already obtained this or am already perfect, But I press on to make it my own, because Christ Jesus has made me his own. Brothers, I do not consider that I have made it my own, but one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead, I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. And listen to this next phrase. Let those of us who are mature think this same way. And if anything you think otherwise, God will reveal this also to you. Only let us hold true to what we have attained. What is Paul telling us? At this point in his life, I have not arrived at perfect, total, Christ-like maturity. I need to press on. And so do we all. Guys, let us remove pride. 
the pride of quick speaking, the pride of quick anger, and let us be reminded how much we are in need of God's wisdom every single day. And for those he's placed in your life to help you learn his wisdom. Listen and learn from those people so we can follow our Lord Jesus unto eternal life because Jesus is the source of all power and all wisdom. And humility will bring us to Jesus, meaning there is true power, not in pride, but in humility. Would you pray with me? Father, thank you for this lesson. You know that I needed to think about this and go through this. And I hope there are many here today who would say the same. Help us, Father. Help us to be quick to hear, to listen, to learn, slow to speak, slow to get angry, so that we can become mature, Christ-like, and helpful and loving to those around us. Because this world doesn't need any more speakers. This world doesn't need any more inflamed speech. This world needs more humility. It needs more love. It needs more Christ-like examples. Father, we can be that light and salt upon this earth if we will listen to what you have taught us today. Help us change if we need to. For your sake and for the sake of loving those around us, we thank you for this time. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.